Hey, good morning. If you have a Bible, please open it to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you do not have a Bible, look under one of the seats in front of you. That's yours to use. You can use that. If you don't own one, that one's yours to keep. You can take that one with you. Here's how I do it. I'd shove it into my pants and just run right after the service. No, it's, it's yours. We want you to have it. Um, we love you. Um, these people give generously so that you can have coffee, so that you can have donuts, so that you can have Bibles, so that you can have your rent paid, if, so that you can have your utilities paid, so that you can be unburdened. We're here to um, export the gospel and the love that he has so, so richly given us. Great, great. If you're using one of those Bibles uh, that's under the seats, you're on page 827 in the bottom left-hand corner. That's where 2 Corinthians 5.17 is. My name is Tom. For those of you I haven't met, I'm the preaching pastor here at Bethany, and I'm so grateful. I am so glad for each and every one of you being here because there is incredible blessing. There is indescribable blessing for everybody here who wants it, who wants it. And, and, and God is no respecter of persons. He isn't looking at your past. He's looking at your heart and whether you want him. And so whether you belong to him or whether you don't, there's incredible blessing here this morning. And if you leave without it, it's because you decided you didn't want it. So I pray that you would. Um, What we really want, do we have clipboards to, to send around? No? Okay. God bless you, Marlene. Um, Marlene is going to be sending around clipboards and therefore you, if you're, if you're not a regular attender here uh, and you're visiting with us, we're so grateful you are. We'd love, I would love to have your name and your email address, not so that I can stalk you, not so that sometime in the next week, you're going to come into the house, flip on the light to see me on your couch. Hey, how are you? Let's talk about church. That's creepy. What, what I'd like to do, and if you don't have email, just put your physical address. Just like to, to thank you for being here and, and, and point you to some free resources that I think will be a real blessing to you, that have been a real blessing to me, and then tell you what we've got on tap um, for the near future in case you want to check that out. So that's all it is, um, and, and, and I'd appreciate it. It would mean a lot to me if you'd let me do that. Um, I do have something that I need to do before we get in, um, and it's become a little, easy now, it's become a little bit of a tradition here. Um, I have a special Easter shirt. This is not, stop now. The reason that I, the reason that I get so excited about this is that um, I only get to wear this once a year on Easter. The other 364 days, my beautiful wife, Sheree, here come the clipboards. My beautiful wife, Sheree, um, keeps this hidden from me, I think, in a safe deposit box in another country. Um, But, and I know why, because it's like breaking every fashion rule. Um, But this shirt is doing something. It is full of life. It is just bursting with life. Even though it looks like, you know, Project Runway threw up on it. (laughs) But the reason that I wear it is to communicate this, that Jesus Christ wants for each one of us, for our hearts inside us, in the deepest part of our, for our hearts to be doing exactly what this shirt is doing, bursting with life, new life, his life. That's what Easter is all about. In fact, Easter is such, such, such a big deal. Pastor Rick Warren put it perfectly when he said, three words divide all recorded history into B.C. and A.D. And those three words are this. He is risen. Yes. Easter is a huge deal. Easter is a huge deal. Why are we so excited about it? Well, here's why. I'll try to condense the big narrative, the big story of the Bible into three or four minutes, give or take. And um, 
It is a grand and glorious story. And it's one that is almost too good to be true. But it's so good that it is true. It is true. In the beginning, God created. God created everything beautiful and pure and lovely and joyful and thriving. And he created it ever rejoicing in ever increasing life in a crescendo of glory and joy. And, and, and the reason it was that is because it was rooted in a deep love relationship with him. And he created our first parents to enjoy that. But our first parents believed a lie. And that is this, that God, they believed, was holding out on them, that he was holding real life, real freedom, real joy from them. And so they believed the lie that they could find this in being their own God. And so they broke that love relationship. And they, they tried to find love and joy and peace and freedom in everything other than God. They, in a sense, asked God for a divorce. And sin entered the world. And with sin, heartbreak and hate and war and attacks and abuse and anxiety and every burden that you and I carry. But God loved them. God loved them. And you and I have continued with the family tradition in becoming rebels too, in trying to find love and joy and peace and freedom and life in places other than in that beautiful love relationship with God. And so we have inherited and continue to live lives of ever-increasing death instead of a life of ever-increasing life as he created us to live. And so the king, although he was rebelled against, mocked and ignored by us, loved us anyway. So much so that he came himself. He put on skin in the form of his son, Jesus Christ. He came and he came to live the life that he longed for us to live, that we should have lived but did not live. And he not only did that, but he absorbed all of our rebellion. He absorbed all of our hate. He absorbed all of our sin. He absorbed everything broken about us. And he dragged that to the cross. The only holy one, the only pure one became everything bad that I have ever been, that you have ever been, that's ever been done to us throughout history. He became that and he nailed that to the cross and put it to death. Our rebellion killed our rescuer killed our God and Jesus died but on the third day after he had gone to the grave and kicked in the walls and broke down the bars of the prison that held all of us captive willingly he put a cross-shaped hole in the wall of our cell and stood there as he rose with his nail-pierced hand extended and says, come out, come out. The rebel is now the beloved child, the son, the daughter. And he leads us out in triumphal procession behind our king, our rescuer, our savior, washed clean. He's calling us out into life. He came for us. He lived for us. He died for us. He rose for us that we might rise to new life with him. That is the gospel. That is what Easter is all about. And that's why we're so excited and so excited that you're here. So we go back a couple of steps. Things are broken. Things are people, you, me, we're busted. The best of us on our best days are still train wrecks. Here's, here's one thing you can always count on at Bethany. If you've shied away from church because the, there's a lot of veneer on people and they're trying to appear better than we really are, uh-uh, 
There's no perfect people here. We're all suffering from different symptoms of the same disease. We are all in desperate need of God. We are in desperate need of, of a God who loves the unlovable and the unlovely. We are more damaged than we ever feared. And at the same time, more loved than we have ever dreamed. This is a place to get real about who we are, to get real about who Jesus is, and to allow him to change us from the heart out, not from the outside in. So, so it's not this trying to get our behavior, our morality in a headlock and give it a noogie. It's about coming honestly before God and saying, all the things that I say that I should not say, all the things that I think that I should not think, all the things in the ways that I love that I should not love, all the things that I do that break your heart, they come from my heart. If you'll just change me, everything will change. So we're all in this walk, in this journey with Jesus, and he changes us. This is a place of getting real, and I'm, I'm so glad you're part of it. Everybody knows that we're broken. Everybody. You don't have to be a church person or a follower of Jesus. You don't have to be a rocket scientist. You only need a pulse and to leave the house every once in a while or to have a mirror to know that something's wrong. I mean, everybody really knows that. The problem is everybody's got a different idea of how to fix it. Have you ever been to a Barnes & Noble or a Borders or whatever? Some of them are closed now. You know what the biggest section is? The hugest section is? Have you ever been? What is it? Self-help. Self-help. It's ginormous. I don't think you should go in there without a flashlight, a beacon, a bottle of water, and a six-pack box of Cliff Bars, preferably the, the peanut butter kind because they're the best. You could get lost in there. Tie a rope around yourself. The other to the bumper so you could find your way back. If self-help really works, would we need the like 80,000th book? Wouldn't we all be fixed by now? Here's the good news. Jesus does not want to fix us. He does not want to make us better in the same life that we're currently living. He wants to make us new. New. To get a picture of the necessity for new. I want you to imagine that you go to McDonald's. I want you to imagine that you order a double quarter pounder with cheese. Not that I've ever done this, but I said imagine. (laughs) And the lady who is making this beautiful sandwich for you and is about to top it off with the top part of that sesame seed bun, trips, drops your burger cheese side down. (laughs) Ah, but don't worry. She's willing to stoop and pick it up. Some of the cheese is stuck to the floor. And she offers it to you. You go, no, no, please. It has lint and grime and that's a hair. Is that a toenail? And she says, don't worry. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to fix it. And you say, no, no, please. Please make it new. That's us. Very cool ringtone, by the way. Very cool. That's us, right? If we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves, we have dropped our lives. We have dropped our hearts. We have dropped our world on the floor, cheese side down. And you've got a section full of books saying, make it better. And you've got one book And one God who says, no, I want to make you new. I want to make you new. And just so you know that I'm not making this up, um, Revelations 21 um, verse 5 says this, says this. And he who was seated on the throne, that's God, says, behold, look, 
take this in. Understand this. I am making all things new. I am making all things new. Now, we've been in a study of the book of Revelation since September. Now, we're going to do this four-week All Things New series, and I I really do hope you'll stay with us because there's so much more than what we're going to be able to discover this morning. But we're going to go back to it um, right after All Things New. And the thing that most people believe about the end times is that everything's coming to an end. And the good news is that's not true. This is near the end of the story. And God says, I am making all things new. They have been broken. We have done our best to trash them, to trash ourselves. And he's saying, no, there's hope. I'm making all creation new. Everything you see is not as beautiful and as wonderful as I created it to be. Even the most glorious vistas in Gunnison County are are, are muted by the fall. Are, are, are damaged. I'm making all things new. And get this, here's the coolest part. He's going to do that at some point in the future, but he's starting right now to make people new for his new creation. And only those who are be willing to be made new in Jesus Christ will experience that. And he wants all of us a home. He wants all of us made new, not just dusted off, not just fixed, not just better, because better is exhausting, isn't it? He's come to make us new. And Jesus, Jesus gives us a preview, some coming attractions of what this new creation, of what being made new and living in this new creation looks like. And he tells us that. He gives us this through his word in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says, but it is written, what no eye has ever seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man been able to imagine. That's what God has prepared for those who love him. We don't have the senses to be able to perceive how great this new creation, how great this new life is. And so I ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's where we're going to camp out. Um, As we ask the question, how do we get in on this new creation, this new life? Great question. Thanks for asking. Um, The answer's here. So I'd like for all of us, we're going to focus on this. I'd like you, either in your Bibles or or on the walls, just read it with me. Let's read it with me. It's such a beautiful promise. I want you to hear it. Therefore, don't leave me hanging. It's Easter. Come on. You can mock me later. Do this with me now. Okay, ready? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, The new has come. Oh, oh, that is the promise of Easter. Therefore, anyone is in Christ. He or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. That's what we're talking about next week, is how to, I mean, we want to walk into this new life with all of our old baggage, without all of our old burdens, with all of our old past. We're going to talk about next week about leaving the past in the past. And moving forward free. So, so, so make plans to join us for that. Because we're only going to be able to focus on the first part of this. Therefore, any, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's an invitation. That's an invitation to me. That's an invitation to you to be in Christ, to be a new creation. So during our, uh, our time together over the next <coughs> minutes, um, what we're going <laughs> to... Okay, the people who come here regularly are laughing because they know this. There are several truths here. Jesus is God. He loves you. His word is true. And you're never getting out of here early. Okay, thanks for the grace. During our time together, we're going to look at three things. Who is eligible for this new life? What is this new life and what is it not? And then how do we get in on it? First... Who is invited to this new life party? Who is qualified, if you will, to, um, to receive new life in Christ? 
Okay, little game. It's a word search. See if you can find the answer. It's not hidden very well. It says anyone. Anyone. Are you anyone? Yes. Everyone in here, everyone who has ever breathed is an anyone. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now, God is different than we are. That should come as no shock, right? God means what he says and says what he means. Not so often with us. For example, men, if a woman, your wife, your girlfriend says this to you, it's not you, it's me. What she really means is, it's you. <laughs> Ladies, if a man says this to you, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. What he really, <laughs> she's got your number. What he really means is, I didn't particularly feel like springing up off the couch and risking spilling my Diet Coke to empty the kitchen trash for you in the middle of a rerun of Deadliest Catch. He heard you. Unlike us, God says what he means and means what he says. And he says anyone. Now, If you're a Bible scholar and you look into the original Greek of the word used for anyone, here's what it means. Anyone! Anyone! But not me. I know there are some of you out there saying, not me. Not me. He doesn't want me. If he knew me, he wouldn't want me because... All the people who know me don't. And you've been discarded. And you've been discredited. And you've been unloved. And you've, you've transferred that to God. Because people relate to you that way. Because your parents didn't treat you as one who has treasured and loved you. You figure God doesn't feel that way about you. You don't even want yourself. And you may be thinking, you don't understand. You don't understand my past. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand the things I've done. You don't understand the things I think. You, you don't even understand the things I'm, I'm thinking about doing. You don't understand. You don't understand how lost I feel sometimes. You don't understand how hopeless and dark this place is. You don't understand what's behind my smile. You don't understand. And if God knew it, he wouldn't want me. You don't understand. God doesn't want somebody like me. No, my friend, you don't understand. You don't understand the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the inexhaustible reservoir of love that God has for you. Knowing all of that, he loves you. He loves you desperately. His heart beats for you. And he wants you home. He loves you. He loves you right now as you are, not some future improved version of you. He doesn't love your potential as a person. He loves you right now, warts and all, past and all. He loves you. I have a friend. I didn't know him um, more than a month ago. And he was down. He was down and strung out without a place to lay his head except in his truck, with no food, no job. And the love of his life was broken and and separated from him and his boy. And he came and he heard that God loves him now. 
And God gave my friend the courage to believe that Jesus could love him at his lowest. And he trusted that and he stepped out in that love. And the arms that held him filled him with more love than he had ever known. Enough love for himself, enough love for his fiance, enough love for his son, enough love for everybody he rubs up against. He now has a job. He now has food. He now has a place to live. He now has restored relationships. He now has joy. He now has hope. He has new life. And if Jesus can love one like me, he loves you. He loves you. Therefore, if anyone, your past does not matter. Your future in Christ is what matters. And he's guaranteeing that. He's offering that free to you. So that's who can get in on it. None of us gets off there. Each one of us, right? So what is this new creation and what is it not? Because every road we've gone down other than God is make yourself better, try harder, do better. It's not that. It's not that, to be sure. The message, do better, that's the gospel of Dr. Phil. God bless him. But that will drive you crazy. If you don't have the power, if you don't have a transformed heart, you're always trying to make yourself better in one area and you're falling off in another. Take your family more seriously and work falls off, right? Stop, stop looking at porn and, and you become self-righteous. Stop trying to manipulate people. And you get anxiety and fear that things are out of control. Better isn't good enough. Better isn't good enough. And if the church, if the church, if the best that that the church has to offer is be a good boy, be a good girl, behave, just do better, just try harder, then I understand everybody who wants to sleep in on Sunday. If that's all that following Jesus means, then then God didn't need to send Jesus as our Savior, as our sacrifice. The king exchanging his life for the rebel. He didn't need to send Jesus. He could have sent my militant, abusive third grade teacher, Mrs. Lucinci, to follow us all around and twist the skin on the back of our arms whenever we got out of line. That's what he could have done. But many people, many people in church believe that the gospel is behave. And isn't that true? Isn't that why a lot of us give up on following Jesus, give up on church, give up on Christianity? Because because we've been led to believe that it's a long list of things we ought to do, we better do, and an even longer list of the things that you shouldn't do, you can't do. And, and life is, and winning, to quote Charlie Sheen, is, is ever getting a better grade on the morality test, right? And if you do enough, and who knows what's enough, then you're, you might be in. And if you don't, well, then you're hopeless. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. If we're real, if we're honest, and I understand that's hard to do in church, I failed a lot. Yeah, don't nod. You have too. Every single one of us, you, me, Mother Teresa, Lady Gaga, has failed. And so we need something more than do better. We need new. We need to be made new. You, won't, you know all this to be true. You know, you know this to be true. At any given moment, you and I will do that which we believe will give us the most life, the most joy, and the most freedom, right? 
whatever we do or don't do, wherever we go or don't go, whatever we eat or don't eat, listen to or don't listen to, is because we believe that thing at this moment will give us maximum life, joy, and freedom. Here is the dilemma. Jesus is the creator of life, joy, and freedom. And we look for these things in everything other than him. When he stands before us saying, I want to give it to you more than you want to receive it. Stop looking at counterfeits which never fill you, which never satisfy you. Only I satisfy. And I died to defeat everything that holds the one I love, and that's you, away from ultimate life, joy, and freedom in me. That's what new life is. Does that mean you're going to become your crappy dad today? You get new life, you're going to be the perfect dad tomorrow. Not tomorrow, but you'll get there. Does that mean that you're, you're rebellious and you're, and you're going to be a perfect person tomorrow? No. But what happens is that we walk in this newness of life. And, and, and God gradually, continually transforms our heart. So we're not the same people we used to be. And he continues to transform us into his image. And there's hope and there's joy and there's change. And, and we see it happening all over the place in so many different people. You're going to see it in people who are going to be baptized in a few minutes. It's going to be some of the most beautiful things you've ever seen in your life. That is the power of God as they walk with him and he's changing them. And that's what we're talking about in, in, in week three, how to continue this transformation of new life so that we're always moving the next step closer, always moving into this supernatural discovery, reality of God's goodness, of God's love, of this new life, and, and, and plumbing the depths of his goodness and love, which changes us, which changes all of our relationships. But here's the problem. Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end, its end is the way to death. There is a way that seems right, but the end is death. The way that seems right is better. We'll just do better. We'll just try harder. Jesus lived perfectly. And this is something we're going to see next week. He attributes all of his perfection to those who come to him. Do you get what that means? Do you get what that means? You and I have spent, if you're like me, 28 years. Okay. All right, that hurts. 46 years or however long you've been sucking oxygen, racking up these lists of offenses and when we come to Jesus, not only does he take all of those upon himself, it gets even better. He credits to you all of the good things that he did. Do you get how great that is? That's worth getting excited about. That's worth getting excited about. Let's get real. You and I just want to be loved and here right now, regardless of how you came in, regardless of what you've been through, regardless of the secrets you're trying to hide from those who are even closest to you. God loves you, and Jesus is offering you a love that will blow your mind because it will take you an eternity to find the depth of it, the end of it, because it doesn't exist, and that's why he gives us that love. Eternity is a complete discovery and, and, and continual amazement at God's goodness, glory, and love for those like me who least deserve it. And so we are more wrecked than we ever feared, but more loved than we ever dreamed. He is so good. He is so good. And you're saying, love, love hasn't been so good to me. Well, I get that. The problem is that we define and conceive of and think of love the way it's been demonstrated to us in our past. The way we've experienced it from parents who maybe 
didn't love us the way they should have, who didn't make us feel loved by spouses who don't make us feel loved, by boyfriends, girlfriends who use our affections to their own ends. We've been hurt by love, and this is a love that is pure and beautiful. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about how God sees you in the next section. But God, through Jesus Christ, wants to redefine love for you and wants to fill you with it to overflowing so that it spills out in everything you do and say onto people around you, into all relationships. If you keep on this road, you're going to find yourself loving, praying for, and sacrificing for people you now hate. It's that good. It's happening to me. It's happening to so many. We're trying to export the gospel. God wants to build a beautiful, strong church full of people that nobody wants. That's me. Because he does. He loves us. Not because of how good we are, but because his love is so great. How do we get this? If we know this new creation, this new life is so great, and we know it's extended to everyone, then we go back and and we see what he's telling us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We have to be in Christ. In Christ. In Jesus. Only in Jesus can God pour into you this new life, this new love, the way he longs to. That's the conduit. That's how it happens. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. When we're not in Christ, every day, every moment we spend is death. Marching forward, the never-increasing death until we're swallowed up in death. In Christ, every step, every day is ever-increasing life until we're swallowed up in life by his grace. It's all in Christ. It's all in Jesus. And Jesus is alive so that he can live for us, so that he can live in us, so he can live this out through us. The pressure is off. You don't have to be perfect. He was perfect on your behalf. You don't have to worry about your screw-ups because he paid the price for them. And he, you don't have to worry about having the strength to face tomorrow because he lives, he walks with you, he will live in you. He's going to live out this new life. So all the pressure of how am I going to make this happen? How am I going to do this? How can I control it? You can't. You just have to let go and invite him. He longs to do that for you more than you long for him to do it. And so many of us, we live in a fiercely independent place. We want to do what we can achieve and only what we can achieve. We don't want to need anybody. There is the greatest treasure when you come to the point where you know you need God. In our weakness, we find strength in Him. In our poverty, we find riches. Which is why a lot of the people who have the circumstances of life falling in the ways that they'd prefer Ignore God, and we only come, as we sang, running to his arms when he is all that's left, our last resort. And all the time, we miss out on the love, the life, the joy, the freedom, the forgiveness that he offers us now. So whether you're at the bottom or you feel like you're at the top, Unless you have new life, you have death waiting. And that's where we're moving. I want you to take a look at Helen. Helen, I hope you're here longer than I am. I love you. But you have a lot of seniority on this planet, don't you? Some would say, some would say that Helen is, especially you young people, would say that Helen is closer to death than you probably are. I would say Helen is much closer to life than most of us. 
because she has new life in Christ. She is walking in ever-increasing life that on the day that she takes the last breath from that oxygen tank, she will be swallowed up in life. Our life on this earth is not a march toward death in Christ. Some of you think you have life by the tail, but you don't have Jesus. He didn't come to make your life better. He came to be your life. And without him, we don't have life. I've been on both sides. I could tell you, there's no place you'd rather be. In Christ, God sees us in the way that we talked about, right? He sees everything. He knows everything. But when we're in Christ, right? When, when we hide in him, when we run into his arms, God sees us. God the Father sees you, sees you, sees you as his beautiful, spotless, guiltless, faultless son as his beautiful, spotless, guiltless daughter. It's been said your picture is on his refrigerator door, that your picture is in his wallet. Can you picture God the Father taking your, take, taking your photo out and showing it to the angels in heaven? Look at her. She's so beautiful. Look at him. He's so perfect. He's so great because he's seeing you between, in the lenses of Jesus Christ. And some of the angels might be going, um, I don't know. Isn't he? Didn't he just download some porn? Didn't he backstab his friend? Didn't she? Isn't she really manipulative? Um, Didn't she just get crunk at that party and grind on that guy she just met? (laughs) And God the Father is saying, you want to go down in hell with the demons? If I say they're perfect, they're perfect. Zip it. Okay, they're perfect. Look perfect to me. In Christ, God sees you as his perfect, spotless child through the lenses of the obedience of his son who came to live and die as our substitute in our place and offer us that as a free gift. I don't take anything for free. Really? Nothing? Yeah. If I offered you a Ford F-150 super cab, tricked out, heated in cool leather seats, you turn that down? No, no string. It would cost you nothing. It would cost me about 53 grand, right? God's gift of life costs you nothing. It cost him his life. And he thought that was worth it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. She is a new creation. If you only knew how much God loves you, it would change everything. If you only knew how much God loves you, it would change everything. And in week three, we're going to talk about living the life walking in dunness of life in this never-ending discovery of the depth of God's goodness and love. If you only knew, if you only knew how much he loves you, it would change everything. New life, stepping across the line and saying, I'm done with better. I'm, I'm done with it. And saying, I want new. And that's what you promise, and that's what I need, and that's what I want. Because of what you've done, not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it. That's it. The Bible talks about a concept that one one pastor calls the dimmer switch principle, like a rheostat. The Bible describes it as if something has been revealed to you by God, if you've gotten some light, 
and you respond to it, you get more light. If God reveals light to you and you refuse it, you get less light. This morning is a moment of light for some of you, whether you belong to Jesus Christ or you don't. Respond to it. Respond to it. You'll get more light. Because if you don't, the next time you hear of his goodness, the next time you hear of his love, the Bible says your heart gets hardened. It becomes easier to say, no thanks, I'll wait. I got more life to live. This is a moment of light. Respond to it. Take it. Take him at his word. Some of you will. And you will move into the life of the treadmill of better into new life bought for you, provided for you by the risen Jesus. Some of you think that you're walking deeply in this new life and you found out, you know what? I've only dipped my toe. I want to take the next step. Or I want all in. You're saved. You belong to Christ. But you realize in a lot of ways, you've been playing both sides of the fence and you want that to change. And some of you will hear this as a cool concept, nod your head enthusiastically and go back later today to your old life, which is really a parade toward death. Please don't do that. It's in your court. Are you ready? Are you ready to experience new life in Christ? He has blown a hole in the side of your cell, and he's saying, come out come out into light, into life, into freedom, where there is no condemnation, only hope, only me. I've got a new heart. I've got new love. I've got a new purpose for you. I've got new passions for you. I've got a new plan for you. I've got a new home for you. I've got a new energy for you. I've got a new spirit for you. I have new thoughts for you. I have new loves for you come out. Don't make the choice to just decorate your cell and make it as comfortable and as beautiful as you can. It's not life. The door's been kicked open. I have risen. He came for you. He lived for you. He died for you. He rose for you. Rise with him. Anyone today. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, um, forgive me because I cannot capture your goodness or your love. Um, Only your word, only your spirit, only your truth can And even as I've uh, failed to do that this morning, I know that your spirit has spoken directly to hearts, directly to people, and said, you're too easily satisfied with things that counterfeit as life, with things that counterfeit as joy. And I love you too much to leave you there come out of the prison. I've broken a hole in the wall in the shape of my cross and my hand is outstretched. Come running in my arms. Lord, there are, as we pray, I know there are many here who have surrendered to you in the past. Lord, but, but like me, they, they know that maybe one foot is still in the prison. Lord, we we haven't trusted so much that we've walked continually into the depth of newness of life that you're ready to to pour out in us. We haven't haven't been moving. We haven't haven't allowed you to transform us in the ways. And and so we're treading water when when you want us to fly. And, And Lord, there are believers here who want to 
take the next step and continue taking the next step. And we just want to commit that to you and look forward to it happening. Living in the reality of Easter every single day until you call us home. If that's your heart, you belong to Jesus Christ and you want to continue with me to to follow him into, into deeper newness of life, just if you just slip your hand up to God. That's God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. That's the path for all of us. He's calling all of his people to enter into full newness of life. Yes, yes. Lord, may it be so. Lord, we don't want to just have you um, as fire insurance. We don't just want you um, to to save us from um, our eternal um, separation from you. We want to know you fully. We want to love you passionately. We want to be made completely new and continue to be made new and transformed into your image. We surrender. We confess that we fought it. Lord, we still think there are things other than you that are going to satisfy us. And there isn't. But in you, all your blessings are made sweet. And that's what we look for. Still praying there there are some of you who who know um, that as God's word talks about newness of life, you're one of those anyone's who has looked in from the outside but never come running into his arms, never said, yes, Lord, that's what I need. I'm exhausted by better. I failed at better, but I've, I've racked up a past It doesn't matter, Lord, to you. You paid for it. You want me home. You want me forgiven. You want me free. You want to pour your new life in me. You say you rose. I believe you rose. Make me rise with you into new life right now. I want that new life in Jesus Christ. If that's you, I just, in the quiet of this moment, just raise your hand to God. Just slip it up to God. He will meet you where you are. He will will pour. God bless you. I see in the back. God bless you. Just slip your, yes. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. All right, make this your prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came for me, that you lived for me, that you died for me, and that you rose for me. And right now, in the best way that I can, I'm turning my back on lesser things, on all the ways that I've tried to find purpose and meaning and life and freedom and joy. And I'm running to your arms and trusting you. And your life and death and resurrection, Lord, make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's praise him for what he's done. Amen. Okay, if you have, if you, we're going to respond to God. That's what we do here. We talk about how great God is and what we really are, and, and then we respond, and we get transformed. So if any of you need prayer for this, for being made new, for any area of your life, we have a couple of people here who are happy to pray with you. Um, Josh and Amanda, where are you? All right. They're right back there. They'll be happy to pray with you. If you're going to participate in the baptism service, this is the time to do that. That's where I'm going to be. There are people around you who will pray with you. We're going to sing about how he loves us. Let these words penetrate your heart as they leave your lips. He'll change you and stick around. This is going to be special.